The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side of the sea while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. After making the crossing, they came to land at Gennesaret, When the men of that place recognized him, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought to him all those who were sick and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak. And as many as touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. One of God's most magnificent creations is water. Because sometimes it is a blessing and sometimes it is a burden. But however it acts, it is entirely subject to God's will and His providence. You know, at least twice a week, Dan Rose, our sacristan, leaves a yellow sticky note for me in the sacristy that reads, Father, Please bless the holy water. And I dutifully walk to the main entrance of the church where there is located a large metal container of water that needs to be blessed. I have to bless the water at least twice a week because our parishioners love holy water. They use it at home to bless themselves and to bless their children, perhaps their pets. Some even drink it. Water is a blessing. But water can also be a burden and feel like a curse. If you don't believe me, just ask the poor people of Appalachia in Kentucky. They are recovering from a historic flood that killed at least 30 people. I read a story about a woman, Jessica Willett, who cut off the cord from her vacuum cleaner and tied herself to her children. 
to try to save themselves from the flood. She said, when they find us, at least we'll be together. And they were together and survived the devastating flood. Even though at times water can wreak havoc, it still acts within the compass of divine providence. Like a well-trained dog, it obeys its master's commands. In the gospel today, we see Jesus exercising the same easy mastery over water that his father demonstrates. Even though the seas are stormy, we read in Matthew, during the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. But Jesus does not just walk on water to show off. He does it as an invitation to share in his divine sonship and enjoy its prerogatives. And St. Peter is exhibit A. We read, Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. But Peter's faith falters and he sinks. In other words, poor Peter cannot tell completely yet how thoroughly water is under the will of God and the Son of God. When we see the devastation that water worked in Kentucky, we too may wonder if God can completely control water. Our faith may falter too. And so Jesus said to Peter, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And Jesus could rightly level that criticism toward us, or at least at me. But if we had more faith, we could see how nothing, not even water, is outside the circumference of God's control and creative will. That is why faith is believing without seeing. Folks, do you know what is one of the most dramatic instances where we see how water can be both death-dealing but also life-giving? It is at the baptism of a baby. In the sacrament of baptism, the church, imitating her Savior and Master, Jesus Christ, like Peter did in the Gospel, exercises an easy mastery over water. Through the ministry of a priest or a deacon, the church harnesses the tremendous power of water, infuses it with the power of the Holy Spirit, and causes a baby to die sacramentally and to rise supernaturally to new life in Christ. Thus, St. Paul declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, So whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. But what does the poor baby think at a baptism? This crazy priest is trying to drown and kill me. And the baby rightly cries in protest. But we all smile. In the sacrament of baptism, we begin to glimpse how water 
is entirely under the management of the church. And we get a preview of what water will do in heaven. Be a harbinger of grace and glory, a sign of our birthright and divine sonship in Christ. But on this side of heaven and eternity, man continues to exercise power over water. We build hydroelectric plants. We dam up rivers. We irrigate the dry land and bring water to our farms and our flower beds. In a small way, we do what Jesus did by walking on the water in the gospel today. We make water obey our will and do our bidding. But sooner or later, water wakes up and in stormy seas or furious floods reminds us she has only one master, the Lord God Almighty. And then we human beings are also her fellow creatures. And once again, we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Praised be Jesus Christ.